0: hello and welcome to so what you're saying is i'm peter whittle now my guest today is the editor of this new publication it's called islamophobia an anthology of concerns it's published by the civitas think tank emma webb is the director of civitas's forum for integration democracy and extremism she has tended in her work to concentrate on Islamist extremism and how it works particularly in the public sphere. And she's written for many publications such as The Times, Telegraph and Spectator. Very good, uh, thanks for coming on Emma. Thank you for Um, having me. Can we start, this is a response, this report, this collection of essays, Mm -hmm. it's a response to what exactly?
1: So in uh, November 2018, Um, the APPG on British Muslims released a uh, report that was the result of all of their evidence collection uh, to try to define Islamophobia as a working definition that they were proposing get adopted by particular bodies and by the government uh, nationally um, as a means of trying to deal with um, Islamophobia or what most people would say should be anti-Muslim hatred. Um, The anthology was really responding to I would say particular parts of the report that were chilling, um, but actually uh, the, the report overall was so concerning to so many people um, that uh, earlier this year we had an open letter response that was addressed right. to the yeah. Home Secretary and... Um, asking him to uh, consider the concerns, because we realised after uh, the APPG had published this report and the Home Affairs Select Committee had been set up to assess the evidence for whether or not it should be adopted, all of these bodies, political parties and so on, um, started adopting the definition before The um, evidence had been weighed up. And so it was just being adopted without scrutiny. Um, And there were a number of of people from all across the spectrum uh, political, religious, non religious all of whom were extremely concerned um, about the implications of the definition for various things, particularly sort of summed up under the umbrella of civil liberties, uh, free speech, and so on. Um, And so we sort of got together and put together this uh, open letter to the Home Secretary, and off the back of that um, we also put together this anthology. So it brought together you know, activists and um, experts in various areas to put forward their various concerns. Not all of the concerns agree with each other, um, but as a way of bringing everything together, uh, because we were concerned that there wasn't proper scrutiny of the definition and that if it was adopted without that, um, we would be in serious trouble.
0: Well, before we look at that definition, I get, I'm going to have a look here at some of the people. It is very wide. We've got Peter Tatchell. Um, we have the uh, Dr. Rami Hassan, uh, David Green, Hardeep Singh. I mean, you know, this sort of basically is, uh, as you say, right across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, can we start actually, Emma, because people will be maybe not familiar with it. Um, what is the definition that the all-party group came up with? So, what I, is, how does it sound?
1: I can I can read out the definition yeah. because I think their their own words are more chilling than mine ever could be. Um, Islamophobia is rooted in racism and is a type of racism that targets expressions of Muslimness or perceived Muslimness.
0: Muslimness. Yeah. Right, okay.
1: um, and as you can tell from the uh, definition, it's impossible to um, enforce. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just postmodernist jargon. What does Muslimness mean? Who who gets to be the arbiter of that? You know, what's what group are they talking about? What is perceived Muslimness? You know, there's not one single um Muslim community in the UK. So what are they referring to there? Um, and the concern that we all had about that is that really what it is is a, a backdoor blasphemy law because it is founded on the concept of cultural racism. um, And by definition, it therefore um, oversteps the mark of anti-Muslim hatred as you would have with anti sikh hatred or hatred against any other um, religion, Christianity, for example. Um, And it starts to get into the very subjective uh, gray area of microaggressions, structural Islamophobia and into the realm of ideas belief and practice um, because it, it's, its idea of um, expressions of muslimness um, starts to go a- a really a- attacking that would be attacking things like islamic practices or particular islamic beliefs
0: with uh with the definition you mentioned at the beginning there that without scrutiny some people would mm-hmm. say atta- well i happen to know that's true. i think i think of the mayor of london for example, I think Mm. he accepted the definition, isn't that right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, I believe, but, you know, in terms of uh, the government, uh, they actually rejected it, didn't Mm -hmm. they? They, For the time being, or blanket?
1: So um, the case with the Conservative Party is interesting because obviously they've been under a lot of pressure from um, people like Baroness Varsi, who is part of the APPG and very influential, sort of pushing the definition and pushing Um, the cause of of trying to stamp out Islamophobia as they see it. The Conservative Party um, are obviously in a particularly um, pressured position and they did uh, refuse to adopt the definition when every single other party, including the Scottish Conservatives, so the SNP, Plaid Cymru, Um, They all
0: all adopted definition. And the Liberal Democrats and
1: City Hall, as you mentioned, all adopted the definition as well as a number of councils, Harrow, Oxford, um, Regbridge, Islington, um, Lambeth as well, um, an ever-increasing list. The Conservatives did reject the definition um, under Theresa May, but then Theresa May set in motion the process to um, establish a definition of Islamophobia. And the person that she appointed as the um, independent advisor to that process is an imam called Kari Asim, who has himself accused Boris Johnson in the past of Islamophobia for his criticisms of all the things that he said about Islamic dress. Um, And so the Conservative Party are moving in the direction of uh, defining Islamophobia, and the concern there is that any definition of Islamophobia, because of you know what the word means, as opposed to anti-Muslim hatred, mm. is in dangerous territory. Mm. And uh, being able to propose a definition, you know, that's any less dangerous than the one that's already been proposed by the APPG, it's a very slim chance that they'll do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and so the Conservative Party is a slightly different case, um, but the definition has sort of been adopted. With, <laughs> by, by sort of circumventing the usual yes. processes yeah. and so really when it comes to pressuring them to adopt it nationally they can say, well, you know, everybody's already adopted it so so should you
0: There are, there are a number of particular distinct grounds mm. you sort of, you've already mentioned which are, you know, the main objections which are mm. illustrated by this, uh, by this booklet but if we can just go th- go through them. First of all, you've got the very vagueness, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 this is this term, Muslimness. I mean, can, can you can you just explain again? You know, what are they getting at? I mean, wh- or or, or mm-hmm. should I say, sort of how how do the problems present themselves? If 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 you know, if you're to go by that definition,
1: mm-hmm. well, it's, um, it's so unworkable. It's right, obviously right. unworkable to anyone that Muslimness is a nonsense concept, and so is the idea of um, it being a form of racism. Being a Muslim is not being part of a particular race. There is a huge diversity of Muslim communities from all sorts of backgrounds, including white convert Muslims. Being able to uh, enforce the definition is impossible. If you try to imagine the police, for example, um, having to work with the concept of muslimness what does that mean and it's open so much to um, abuse from particular interest groups yeah. lobby groups the people who are behind the definition sort of pushing it um, and they will be the people who potentially police what muslimness means and you have people for example like kanta ahmed who Um, she got accused of being an Islamophobe because of her comments about the niqab. For example, you can imagine LGBT Muslims um, being called Islamophobes for their criticism of Islamic beliefs uh, or or treatment of um, LGBT people, as we saw um, recently, you know, in other countries, um, and the treatment of uh, LGBT people there. Um, You can imagine... uh, feminist Muslims for example um, who would be attacked for being uh, Islamophobes and so you can disagree with you know LGBT campaigners, you can disagree with feminist campaigners, mm. but even those who disagree with them couldn't really call them Islamophobes for uh, right. a- attacking or disagreeing with particular aspects of Islamic belief and practice. Um, and so the, the idea of, of Muslimness as part of this definition, it just it's so elastic yeah, and so yeah. subjective um, that it, it could be used uh, in in... In, in a way to sort of trample on uh, people's civil liberties and try to deprive them of their free speech, and we've seen that um, with the way that uh, it's been used already
0: well th- that's how you're saying want to country to, good that's the second area really which is about freedom of expression, isn't mm-hmm. it freedom of freedom of speech um, you know this would obviously seriously hamper people, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, whether it's journalists or even creative people or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen the way that it has been used in the the debate uh, in December last year when um, Baroness Farsi was talking about the definition itself and she used Andrew Gilligan as an example. Now, Andrew Gilligan is a journalist who does investigative work into Islamism and so the concern is actually this doesn't protect... Muslims any more than the current law protects them. What it does is it protects Islamists from scrutiny um, and people who have been criticised like Dominic Kennedy for example for his work investigating Islamism, people like Peter Clark for looking at the Trojan Horse Affair, people like Sarah Champion for looking at issues to do with Rotherham and um, the list just goes on and on. Louise Casey, uh, Sarah Khan, the counter-extremism commissioner, right. uh, Muslims like, for example, Majid Nawaz, who work on counter-extremism, and all of these people have been attacked for being Islamophobes in the past, Um, we see the way that the people who were involved in creating the definition used the term, um, and the way that it is used, and in fact the history of the term itself, it's so closely associated with anti-blasphemy, and particularly hostility against Islam, that it just poses an enormous enormous danger yes. to, to free speech almost pardon the pun by definition yes um, and it's it's, uh, it's genuinely chilling actually I could um, yeah. read out some quotes um, from from the APPG's report themselves and this they, is the
0: all parliamentary party yeah group. so right,
1: this yeah. is the one of the things that they did is um, they have insisted that um, this wouldn't trample on um, free speech right. Um, the police, interestingly enough, bought into that um, because we weren't talking about the councils and political parties. The police also originally came out against it because of concerns that it would undermine security and counter extremism, uh, legislation and policy. And then they did a complete U-turn and they wrote to the government and said that they should adopt the definition because they'd been reassured by the community that um, actually it wouldn't have that effect, that it wouldn't have any legal grounding, that it wouldn't be a legal definition, which is nonsense, because even though afterwards the APPG members did say it's not supposed to be legally binding, as I will read to you, it's quite clear that they originally intended it that way. They talk about it in that context of of creating a new legal framework um, that sort of goes beyond the remits of uh, anti-Muslim hatred. Um, And so they've reassured the police, for example, and they've done this U-turn, and the police said uh, in their letter to the government that um, they were sorry for really, um, basically offending the Muslim community really? um, because it had da- writing the initial letter had damaged their relationship. Um, and that, that got some had,
0: press, didn't it? That letter yeah. it was it was covert. So
1: they had consulted various people. I think they consulted MPs, members of their uh, advisory network, and they they did a complete U turn. And that's quite concerning because that could pressure the government in the direction of the of a definition similar to the APPG defi- de- APPG definition. Um, and on multiple occasions, including in the report itself, they keep reassuring. Uh, the reader or the, the audience that this is not going to uh, impede free speech at all um, but then the content of the report makes it quite clear that to me it seems like gaslighting because they say one thing and then everything else indicates another. Um, they talk about, for example um, f- five t- uh, a test um, with five points to decide between illegitimate and legitimate free speech Right. and they give examples of things that wouldn't under the definition and it goes to show how it sort of steps beyond the bounds of what would be narrowly defined mm. as anti-Muslim hatred mm. and narrowly defined as something that you need for something to be workable in law mm. and policy mm. um and they talk about, for example, accusing Muslims of entryism, and that would go to, like, the Lutfa Rahman case, for example.
0: This um, is in Tower Hamlets. This was yeah. the, the corruption case in Tower Hamlets yeah. Council. Yeah.
1: Um, and so, you know, cases like that, um, Trojan Horse would be another example, probably. Um, there were concerns that it would, you know, trample on a historian's uh, abilities to research certain things, because it talks about uh, not saying that Muslims rule by the sword and subjugate um, minorities, and the, the most, two most chilling things that they've said in response to the free speech concerns I'll read, uh, they said um, giving up the term Islamophobia and with it the possibility of creating legal instruments to tackle it simply because of a perceived risk that it may limit free speech would be highly misguided.
0: Highly and, misguided. And then they
1: say also um, that the um, recourse to the notion of free speech and a supposed right to criticize Islam results in nothing more than another form, another subtle form of anti-Muslim racism whereby criticism humiliates, marginalizes and stigmatizes Muslims. So if you mm. acu- if you if you uh, <laughs> say that you're concerned on free speech grounds then you are yourself guilty of a subtle form of anti-Muslim prejudice, you're an Islamophobe. I um, so I think it's quite clear they don't take free speech issues seriously and the way that they use um, the definition to uh, weaponize it against people that they disagree with um, shows exactly how it will be used
0: it's it's uh, this is a bit of a you know well-known argument but it's nevertheless the case surely that there's a real problem anyway with the term in that Mm -hmm. it is you know basically islamophobia the implication being that somehow you're talking about the religion and that you have an irrational fear or whatever and that therefore to be islamophobic would mean that you you know you would not criticize what is essentially a set of ideas it's mm-hmm. an ideology isn't it? Yeah. it it is it's it's like you know you should be able to criticize christianity buddhism hinduism you should or, or marxism mm-hmm. whatever it is it's, yeah
1: think. it's quite it's quite clear that even the concept that it rests on uh, of cultural racism it, it it pushes the boundaries out beyond the narrow limits of anti-muslim hatred yeah. it's not comparable to um, the anti-semitism definition for well, example can you
0: explain actually because a lot of people would, would say yeah. well what's the difference right mm-hmm. what would you see as being the difference
1: well i think the key thing is that the anti-semitism definition is more narrowly understood it doesn't trape so much into uh, the cultural sphere it's mm. not really the idea of cultural racism I Jewish people have a more hereditary aspect mm. to their faith, and so it's not it doesn't it doesn't quite sort of match up. but I think that the the key thing is the way that um that they have framed uh, this as being something that you need in addition to um, laws to protect against anti-muslim hatred right, right. because we already have you know Numerous pieces of, of legislation, plenty of acts that deal with discrimination against people on the grounds of their religion and hate crime in that sense. Um, but they want something more. They want something um, that deals with Islamophobia as they see it um, on a level above anti-Muslim hatred. Mm. And that's, I think, sort of the the crux of the issue.
0: I see. You also mentioned though, you did briefly mention, there was this intervention about... Mm. Security concerns, yeah. but and they've taken that back now. You're saying the police have more or less. Yeah, taken they've done it. a
1: complete U-turn. Um, so originally, what th-
0: were their concerns? Though, originally?
1: So originally, they were concerned about a number of things. Um, a policy exchange report laid out a number of areas where it could possibly undermine counter-terrorism or counter-extremism legislation and policy. Things like, as we saw with the case of Begum, um, the potential of uh, you know accusations of Islamophobia against. Uh, when stripping um, the citizenship of returning um, foreign fighters, uh, issues to do with stop and search, issues to do with the prescription of particular organisations like al-Mahajirun for example, you can imagine um, you'd end up with the judiciary, the ministry of justice, the prison service, um, prevent time and time again from the same people who were involved in, um, heavily involved in submitting evidence to and actually involved in the process of putting the report together Um, are from groups that have called um, the government's counter-extremism policies, time and time again they've called them Islamophobic. But it's also on the integration side of things as well. So, um, you know, people like uh, Amanda Spielman um, from Ofsted have been accused of being an Islamophobe um, because of the case with, for example, the hijabs in St. Stephen's. School and that was a case. Can you
0: tell us about that? What that was again? So that
1: that was a case where the school had um, had banned hijabs for little girls under a certain age because of concerns that it is sexualising because of what the hijab means. It's not
0: usually necessary, as it's All for girls teenage, um,
1: yeah. below puberty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they they banned the hijab and then they also did a a u-turn and, and withdrew the ban um because of of pressure um, and you know, the Ofsted have been called uh have been called uh, islamophobic because of that this is the same with uh, Dame Louise Casey who did out uh, the report on uh, integration um and she made a, a very good point about the fact that ideologies sometimes stop people from integrating she mentioned particularly the diabandi ideology um, and what this definition would do is silence people from um, from making, doing investigations into Islamism, making claims mm-hmm. about those people who are actually trying to be divisive, trying to inculcate grievances, spreading uh, sort of identity victimhood narratives. Um, and in that sense, it would be bad for integration policy as well, because it would make it difficult to talk about things like Trojan Horse, like Rotherham, um, and I- instances of uh, entryism, or um, even things like women's rights as well.
0: Yes. You now, what would your, you know, what kind of definition would you be happy with? Uh, would I you recommend?
1: I don't think that we need a definition of Islamophobia and mm. I think that we should stay well clear of having any definition mm. because one of the arguments has been that Islamophobia is a word that is in common parlance it's used as standard to refer to the phenomenon of anti-Muslim hatred but just because something is used widely in the public doesn't mm. mean it's suitable for government legislation or policy um, and one of the reasons is because Islamophobia is not, cannot be tightly defined in the same way as anti-Muslim hatred can be, because we already have sufficient legislation and policy surrounding discrimination against people on the basis of their religion. And, you know, we can have a process put in place to look into that further within the government. But the issue with um, with Islamophobia, as I mentioned, is that it is so broad, it does go into Um, the territory of belief and practice and the history of the word itself and how it's been used actually should suggest that we certainly shouldn't be trying to seek any official definition of it because even going back to so if we talk about the origins of the word Islamophobia um, if we go back to some have suggested that it may have originated in France Edward Said used the term to refer to hostility against Islam Um, and it's. It was used, for example, by uh, apologists of the Iranian Revolution in 1979, um, and it, it made its way into our. Uh, into our vocabulary really in the 1980s most people credit the Runnymede Trust with popularising it and you can actually see in the statistics there's a massive spike after um, 19, the 1997 report. When, That's right, this um, was a, a report yeah.
0: done by the Runnymede Trust?
1: Yeah, so the Runnymede Trust um, did a report on the yeah. phenomenon of Islamophobia in the UK um, and they actually described uh, as part of it open and closed attitudes towards Islam and closed being sort of on the bigoted side of things. Um, And again, it was within the context of uh, Islam as a religion. And there are many activists, for example, who um, want to protect... protect islam from criticism because they see criticism of islam as a way of stigmatizing muslims mm. which is a very slippery slope obviously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and when it made its way into the british vocabulary it was around the time of uh, the salman rushdie affair for example mm. and it was very it was knocking about in the company of uh, people who were lobbying for um blasphemy laws um there were organizations in the 1980s who were trying to get blasphemy laws Um, changed or new blasphemy laws to accommodate um, protecting Islam because they thought that that would be good to create sort of social harmony. Um, And one of the particular organisations that has been involved in lobbying with the UN um, was trying to lobby for um, laws against defamation of religion. Mm -hmm. And even though they backtracked on that policy in 2012... Um, the APPG actually held a workshop with them, um, and so Islamophobia and blasphemy have been knocking about in each other's company um, for, well, really, from as long as the t- as the as the term has been about. Yes. Um, and it has always been to do with a criticism of Islam as being an, an attack on Muslims. Mm. But I think the the government need to be clear that criticism of Islam is not an attack on Muslims, and that if we are going to deal with with anti-religious hatred or discrimination against any group, that we can't have one rule for some and a different rule for others, you know. What about the Sikhs? What about the Hindus? What about the Christians? They also suffer discrimination as well. But it's not good to go down the route of having a proliferation of phobias. No, no, um, no. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be yes. something that would be workable anyway, because, it, I mean, it, to, I think to any normal person it would seem completely absurd.
0: The only problem with this new definition, mm-hmm. or for that matter any definition you might say, is that people have so Mm. internalized these things now Mm -hmm. that actually it doesn't almost matter in a way what the definition is made up of how it's expressed because people basically Mm -hmm. now are in a state of confusion about what they can do and say so consequently Mm -hmm. it's almost like free speech has already been chilled yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. so if you, you talked, for example, about Salman Rushdie. Mm-hmm. That was 1990, 91.
1: And it's still very much in our consciousness. <laughs> and it's
0: still very much to the extent that I, mm. I can't imagine that book, for example, being written today.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many examples of, um, you know, Charlie Hebdo is an example, you know, uh, the Danish cartoon affair, where the accusation of Islamophobia is actually extremely dangerous yeah. um, because it, it does get taken in some cases, as we saw with Charlie Hebdo, as an excuse yes. to attack people. Yeah. And that has played a role, not just in our consciousness, but um, in, in across Europe, that people self-censor, um, we saw this with the the, the Ipsos Mori um, and the issue to do with press freedom. Oh, I wanted to um, ask you about this because this
0: is very this is mm-hmm. actually very new, isn't it? What, what's yeah. happened, I'm talking about Ipsos here. This yeah. is the uh, the Independent Press standard Organisation. Yeah. This just happens to have come out quite recently, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That, or should I say it's been leaked that there are various. Um, Guidelines that are, that they yeah. are. Well, can you explain what that is so, about? So,
1: um, yeah. IPSO put together, I believe it was at the end of 2017, they put together a working group um, or a subcommittee to establish a. Um, or t- to develop guidance for uh, journalists reporting on Islam or Muslims. And again, as with the definition, they had this sort of very elastic advice. Um, to be sensitive to the community, to not. Um what does that
0: actually mean in the end? Sensitive? Exactly. I what mean, it's so it subjective, mean? and
1: yeah. they want they, they want journalists to be um, careful not to be uh, sowing tension within communities, um, and to be mindful of the consequences of their reporting. For example, in, in resulting in the harassment of particular communities, and so basically, their advice to journalists will lead to them tiptoeing around the issue of uh, of Islam and reporting on Islam. And, you know, with the cases of Lutfur Rahman and the issue in Tower Hamlets uh, with the electoral fraud, uh, with Rotherham, with Mm. um, the Trojan horse affair, on those and many other instances, People have been too afraid because of accusations of racism or Islamophobia to come forward. It was very difficult for people like Andrew Norfolk, I imagine, also um, someone who's been accused of Islamophobia, um, to actually report on these issues. Um, And so what the press have done, and um, I believe it was Trevor Phillips' Um, it's described it as a form of media apartheid because it's one rule for mm. um, the Muslim community and another for everyone else. This is Trevor
0: Phillips saying this, yeah. as well, by the way. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. And so what they're really doing is giving advice to journalists that has the effect of making people tentative to report on issues to do with Islam mm. and Muslims because it's, it's sort of... Um, uh, moved on into the territory of activism political activism and there are all sorts of issues around this that you know very detailed stuff that is you know out there and people can find it themselves and make their own judgment but the, the point is that ipso had been um issuing this particular guidance that would have a basically a chilling effect on uh, reporting on issues to do with Islam. Uh, and it, it gives the impression that journalists have uh, somehow a responsibility if, you know, harassment occurs as a result.
0: It's very important uh, w- what you've been doing. Emma. Thank, thank you for coming. I mean, thank you. what, what? How do people, how do people get to to read this? Can they go online? Can they buy it or can they download it or what?
1: So it's free online as a PDF. It's through a free the Civitas online. Website. Where should they go? Well, we'll um, so it's. You can get it through the Civitas website, Civitas or if you website. just Google um, "Islamophobia Civitas anthology." Yeah, <laughs> um, there you go. And also, it. I think you can you can buy it uh, in a hard copy through Civitas, or um, I think it's even on Amazon.
0: Right, and uh, as as, uh, as we were saying before, it's <laughs> you know extremely broad, and there are people from right, left, and secular, and wherever you know. Um, thank you very thank much for coming on, indeed. I um, thank you. It's great. Uh, that's it. Uh, for this time um, but see you next time and please in the meantime do do subscribe won't you thank you very much bye